The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Thank you very much and welcome everyone to episode 69 of the Boys of Tech for Tuesday the 8th of June 2010. Tuesday because it's Queen's birthday weekend and the Queen's having her birthday or had her birthday yesterday on Monday. My name is Edwin Herman. want to introduce my co-host Brett King. Howdy. Brett, she doesn't really have her birthday on Queen's birthday day, does she? No, no. It's just that this is the day that they have as the public holiday for it. Fortunately, it's always on a Monday. Yes, so it's, we it's always a get that three-day weekend. Yeah, that's really Unlike good. all of those other ones, we keep missing out on. Yeah, this year, this year but this we year get to miss out again on next year. <laughs> yeah. In fact, uh, Queen Elizabeth was born on the twenty-first of April. That's when her real birthday is, uh, and she was born in nineteen twenty-six, which makes her about eighty-four this year. Mm-hmm. But her birthday is always celebrated on Queen's birthday weekend, the first Monday in June. Is that how it works out to be? First Monday in June, is it? Yep. I quite like the Queen. Oh, indeed. I can't say much for the others, other royal family below her, I think, but I like her. <laughs> well, you don't get to see much or hear much other than the when they're doing something wrong. Well, that's true, but it just seems that they get weirder and weirder as the generations go on. <laughs> Whereas she seems quite normal. <laughs> really? Because I thought the, the, the younger ones were a lot more normal. Oh, do you think? Well, a lot more regular. Yeah. They're, they're much more regular folk, whereas when you look at the Queen, you see somebody who is the Queen. Yeah, she behaves yeah. like you would expect the Queen to behave, whereas the the younger members of the family, they behave more like age-appropriate people. She always has such lovely outfits on. I wonder where she buys them. Buys them? <laughs> no. They'll be custom-made. <laughs> yeah, custom-made. Right. Absolutely, yeah. They'll have a, a template of her. <laughs> And they will be custom made. Yeah, they are. They're all custom made clothes, and but they look wonderful, don't they? She's everything matches. Well, as a word, but mm-hmm. she's she's just got everything. She's got the hat. She's got the dress. She's got the the gloves, and she's handbag. And yep. Well, you never know. She might start buying stuff from Harrods again. Again. Well, now that it's being sold. Oh yeah, that's because she stopped that's buying right. stuff because of who bought it. Did she? Last time. I didn't know about that. That she stopped buying stuff. Yes, she stopped buying stuff from Harrods. Harrods because of who because of who owned it. Because of who owned it. Because of the person's because of the person's familiar relationships with other members of the royal family. I doubt she'd buy any clothing anyway. It's all done. No, no, it'd all be tea and food stuffs and Yeah, that that's what she'd buy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They have their own they've now frequent a, a different deli as it were <laughs> <laughs> yeah different corner store for the for the queen uh i've been through uh three dehumidifiers today brad why do you keep breaking them <laughs> well i don't i just discovered that the first one we i tried was one that an old one that we had that basic we're trying to get rid of mold and i think i just put out a whole heap of mold because when i opened it uh, I found a whole heap of mold inside it, which 
explain why it smelt so strong once I turned it on. So that one went out. Yep. And then the second one was one that came with the place we we're renting, and uh, that just didn't work. It went for about a minute and then died. Mm-hmm. And so now we're on our third one, and we just bought a brand new one. That's the one we're using. Oh, that one should work then. It does. It works brilliantly, actually. So there you go. But you haven't tried 3D humidifiers in one day? No, no. I don't I recommend haven't. it. <laughs> it's a waste of time. Anyway, let's kick off the show. Uh, there's a number, there's a bit of a hodgepodge of stories uh, this week. Uh, I guess the first one, and this is in no particular order as per usual, uh, UK ISPs are now forced to collect data on people file sharing over the internet. Well, not yet. Not yet, but... There's so, a code of practice, isn't there? Yeah, it's a code of practice. It's up. They're hoping to get it in place by January, you know, get it past their, the, um, the European, the EC, um, in January to make it start. But it, it is, it's very much a bizarre sort of code of practice. It only applies if you're an ISP with more than 400,000 users currently. And it's still very much a hodgepodge, a, a mix-up and not clear. Uh, there's no real idea of who's going to pay for the fact that this is going to cost ISPs a huge amount more. Oh, yeah. Other than the, the you know, <laughs> than it rippling on down to the customers and then it becomes, you know, mired in the whole stink of are the ISP customers then paying basically a subsidy to the music and movie industry for nothing? Well, you see, this this is a, uh, a sort of a form of the three strikes thing. It is. And again, it's it's the, the one where, where no proof is required. And you know what? The UK, though, it seems worse than the US. In terms of this sort of thing and, you know, freedom, lack of freedom and lack of... Yeah, it it does seem that way. I think it's also part of the fact that the UK is just the one entity. So once it gets past its one block, it's then, you know, it's there in the UK. Whereas in the US, they've got, you've got the United States government, but each state is still more or less an independent entity. They have their own different tax regimes in the different states. They have their own different implementation of state laws. And so it's a lot harder for the US to implement something broad across all states. Don't they just do federal, uh, don't they just apply it as federal law at that level and then it just overrides everything else? Or is it harder to get it? Well, I I think there's more work involved, isn't there? I think there must be a lot more work involved because there are certain laws that are done at federal level or don't exist at federal level, but they do exist at state level. And who's overrides? Well, it's the state's one. It's you, you are done by the law of whatever state you're in. So if you have a state which has said, yeah, it's okay, then yeah. What happens if it contradicts the, the federal law? Well, I would have thought federal would overrule, wouldn't it? Would it not? Who knows? Generally, but Yeah. They do I, do I, I know what you're saying. Things. You have to. They have to make sure that there there are no contradictions. I mean, that's that's the first thing you got to do. And they've got you, to have the states actually buying into it. Because if the states don't buy into it, then the federal law can't be. You know, nothing will happen. But you know, the UK is the country with the highest video surveillance in the Western it world. Is. I know it's hilarious. It's like for every one thousand CCTV cameras that exist, they stop one crime. 
It's, it's like they oh, don't, really? they're not really very good at stopping crime at all. They're just good for spying on people. Having said that, I don't mind them in public places so much. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're in the public, you, you can be seen by anyone, by people. Precisely. I, I'm not too yes. worried about that. Yeah, but, it's, um, it's the same as if, you know, if you're standing in a public place and you've got a video camera, you can film. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're you in a public place. Yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, do the news and all that sort of stuff without having to ask everybody. <laughs> Is it okay if I film you? It's because you're in the public place. So yeah, I, I'm perfectly fine with them being there, but there should be, you know, definitely no preconception that they're there to prevent crime because the statistics don't. coming out of the UK are that they aren't. They don't. So coming back to this internet thing, it, you know, one of the things that people are worried about over there is that it's going to kill public wireless internet that, that some towns and libraries and other places have. Definitely. Cafes and whatnot. It's going to kill. Yeah. So it hasn't, they're, they're not saying it will kill it, but they're, they're still trying to sort out how this is going to work, how it's going to apply, uh, what the rules are and how that to be inter- interpreted. But they do worry that that's, that could be the end of public internet access, which which will be sad because it's something they're very important, especially for, for tourism. Because so, well, when, when, when it first comes in, it's only going to apply to the seven largest ISPs in the UK because they're the only ones with over 400,000. Yeah, but um, they talked about that, extending it though, didn't they? But yeah, yeah. Once the reviews come in, because they will have six monthly reviews, I think it said it was, six monthly or 12 monthly reviews. And after the reviews start coming in, if they find that it's not having a significant effect, then they will start to implement it, you know. Then there's definitely the part of it farming out to the smaller ISPs and that's really going to destroy public Wi-Fi. And it's going to get those, um, you know, that some apartments, complexes and those sorts of things will have a group of tenants who have chip in for one Wi-Fi router so that they can all get access to Wi-Fi. It's going to destroy that as well as it's going to have some massive implications for Wi-Fi uh, dominance, Wi-Fi accessibility. So all of these devices that are coming out Wi-Fi capable with the uh, intent that Wi-Fi is prevalent everywhere you go, these sorts of things are going to really stifle that. Well, sucks to be an internet subscriber in the UK is all I can say right now. Well, we're seeing this sort of stuff being palmed off and banded about all over the place. It's the act of thing? Yeah, well, it's part of the act of thing because the act of thing has been, you know, broadened to encompass internet file sharing internet piracy as well as physical piracy what it was originally meant for and there are a lot of countries which are up in arms about ACTA as well because they've had no involvement in the development of ACTA but they're going to have to be covered by it like India India was really quite miffed at ACTA because they had absolutely nothing to do with it they were not invited to any of the talks they had no part in any of the consultation or work in its development, but it's going to be forced down their throats. So once again, what we're seeing is is a badly implemented way of attempting to stem internet piracy. I mean, again, it comes back to good intentions, but bad way of going about it. I think that's Good intentions, kind of- but being turned into codes of practice and uh, laws and acts and codes that are developed by people who have no idea of the realities of implementing or control or how it works. Yeah. No proper consultation. It is people who know law 
and people who are lawyers or work for different copyright places wanting their stuff in and they sit down and come up with these ideas with no thought into how that would actually ever be properly implemented in a fair, legitimate and sustainable and standardized method. So basically, copyright holders can lodge complaints with ISPs about people allegedly breaching copyright for, for their material. Yep. And I think on the third one, you risk uh, disconnection. I wonder if the Queen would ever get one of those letters. Mm, you never know. Depends on if anybody at Buckingham Palace is downloading stuff. <laughs> I would think that that would probably get overlooked. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a feeling actually as well. Yeah, it kind of like, uh, we didn't see that. Yeah. But it does seem quite just random and ridiculous. Any copyright owner can lodge the complaint with the ISP. The ISP then sends out sends you out a warning. The warnings would be spaced out a month apart. You wouldn't get more than one warning per month. But if you receive three morning three warnings in a twelve month period, then your details would be handed over to the copyright owner to take legal action against. Well, here's the thing. If so it's you- not disconnection. This is not part of the disconnection. This is hand, the ISP handing over your details to the copyright per, the copyright pursuer so that they can sue you. So here's the thing. When you get your first letter, basically in that next month, you might as well just go hell for leather and just download a whole heap of stuff because that's just one, you know, that... <laughs> That's one warning. So you might as well download some real stuff, you know? Yeah, but you've got to make sure that you're only downloading stuff from that same copyright. Oh, yeah, of course. Group. Yeah, it's per Because each right. group can lodge a complaint. Okay, and if so you, you go for three separate complaints from three separate entities. Yeah, all right. So you go for the biggest. You go for Universal Music. That's it. <laughs> and, now, and you get one letter. And then as soon as that arrives, just get all these other songs from artists that are signed to Universal. And then you're happy. You've made them, you know, you've made the most of it. <laughs> Oh, it just... Oh. Yeah, that's crazy. I want to move on to China, apparently, is making moves to become what could be the next supercomputer superpower. Ah. And you know what? I think they've... I think they can do it. Oh, I definitely think they can do it. They can manufacture computer components faster than anybody else. Oh, absolutely. They've and got the infrastructure built yeah. up for that. <laughs> absolutely. There's no reason why they, they can't generate one of the you know, world's largest supercomputers, if not the largest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think, you know, this is aligned with China becoming a superpower full stop. Yeah. Over time, you know, uh, m- m- whether it be military-wise, whether it be export-wise, whether it be technology-wise, you know, they are they are just ramping up everything. Mm. Well, they've got the um, the infrastructure to support that sort of thing. They do. They do. And in fact, have you seen, there's a nice little graph on the BBC website that shows you the current situation of uh, supercomputers and how they're distributed. Did you oh, I that? thought it was brilliant that New Zealand's in there with several of them and Australia's got one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. No, you're right. New Zealand's in there, uh, I think, in part due to Weta Digital. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the graph, I think in terms of uh, raw computing power, in, the, in terms of raw supercomputing power in the world, the US has about half. Uh, China and Germany, uh, China's kind of second, if you like. Uh, Germany has a good chunk as well. UK and France be next, about equal. Uh, Japan, Russia, and then it goes on to the other countries. And yeah, New Zealand's in there. As yeah, you New said, Zealand's in there. Which with, is great for a small country. Is it? New Zealand's got like eight. 
one, two, something like eight here. It's hard to see actually on the graph. Yep. And you're right. Seven of those are Weta Digital and one of them belongs to Niwa. There you go. And if you look at the by OS, they do a graph. You can see it by OS. Linux is something like, I don't know, 95% or something. Mm-hmm. And then AIX is most of the remainder. And then there's Windows uh, and Open Solaris. <laughs> it's interesting. Linux is pretty much it. If you're building a supercomputer, the US is the place for it and Linux is your OS. Oh, definitely. According to the graph. That's kind of the trends. And in terms of processor, this is interesting as well. About 60% run on Intel processors. Mm-hmm. And of the remainder of 40%, about half, so about 20% uh, on AMD. And just under that, about 18 or 19% uh, IBM. And what's that last one on there? doesn't really say but it's some other processor maybe a mi- mm. mixture of of all and also by manufacturer again this is interesting about a third are ibm uh branded supercomputers and hewlett-packard about 20 percent and then the cray the good old cray yeah. who still holds number one spot is that still number one is it yeah, the Jaguar. Yeah, it is too. Yeah, the crazy. United yeah, that's States Jaguar one. is so great. Let's, let's just talk about the first, uh, say, I don't know, top five. So the first one is a Cray indeed. Yeah, the other Jaguar, uh, rated at one point seven five nine petaflops. Yep. Then you have China's Dawning. So they're number two. Mm. Yeah, Dawning cluster. One point two seven one petaflops. Petaflops. What about number three? Number three looks to be the IBM. In the United States, United an States, IBM yeah. cluster. One, just 1. over one, yeah. two petaflops. That's right. And number four on the list is, again, a Cray uh, in the US, 831 teraflops. And then mm. last, number five, Number Brent? five, another IBM, the IBM Blue Gene, at 825.5 teraflops. Where's that deep blue one? I wonder where that is. Because isn't it that, that – remember that chess one? That, that, oh, that's – Way old. That's old now, isn't it? Yeah, is it oh. even still running or in here at all? Don't Don't think know, so. I can't even see it. But yeah, it's in, it's interesting. To, it's really, really interesting to see the spread of these supercomputers and where they are. And, and you know, some of the the uh, I don't know some of the the country ones surprised me. Um, Sweden, Switzerland, Saudi Arabia, Poland. They're, they're in there. They rank there. Okay, they're yeah. not. They're not. Uh, you know, the United States is if you can say that, <laughs> the Chinas and the Germanies, but they're up there. Yeah. And, well, I, as I said, I thought it was quite funny that yeah. <laughs> New Zealand, New Zealand's got a bunch in there. That is because seven of them are, <laughs> are, are meta digital, but still <laughs> we got eight. We should have, uh, we should have got Cameron Collie on, on the, eight on the, the show. Top 500 where Australia has one and that's, yeah. The Bureau of, it's CSIRO, Bureau of Meteorology. We should have got uh, Cameron Colley on the show to, I don't know, to poke fun <laughs> of him because he's, he's well, indeed, we could have We could have raised him about the fact that New Zealand's got <laughs> seven more supercomputers than Australia does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there you go. So, yeah, no, China, um, you know, not so, I, it doesn't surprise me, to be honest. And, you know, as, you, as we said, they, hold, they currently hold number two position. There's no mm. reason why they can't build the world's fastest and, in general, become one of the large superpowers of supercomputing. Yep. All right, Jetstar announced it's going to be trialing in-flight iPads. Wow. Now, I think that's kind of cool, in a way. Get to watch a movie on, on an iPad. 
Yeah. Well, it would definitely save on having to build in all of those yeah. uh, multimedia components into the aircraft itself. Oh, definitely. And in theory, couldn't you uh, play network games if, if you're allowed to? I don't know if they're allowed these days to have networks, you know, wireless networks. But if you could, you could play Indeed. network games against Probably not, though, because Wi-Fi is one of the things that they would not, well, they generally don't allow. Because it's when you, yeah, you're allowed to turn your laptop on, you're allowed to turn your PSP on, you're allowed to turn on your devices, but you have to have them either in airline mode if they've got them, or you have to have their wireless disabled. Although recently, was it, who, which airline was it now announced that you can do uh, text messages? Mm. But yeah, you're right. I think you're not meant to have uh, wireless running so continuously. My so my guess is that this could quite possibly be a very much cheaper way of providing entertainment to the passengers instead of having to build in those multimedia devices into each of the chairs, you could instead hire out the the iPads, but the iPad would come preloaded with everything unless they have worked out something which will allow them to work their Wi-Fi on, on the aircraft. But that would surprise me because that would be a really big deal. Yeah, maybe they don't do that. But what I think is nice about this is that because the iPad's still relatively new, it has that novelty effect, and yep. people will just lap it up. They'll love mm. it. Uh, you know, when the iPad becomes kind of, you know, yesterday's news, it won't be so interesting. But I think whilst it's new, this is kind of nice on an airline, and I think it does the, airlines, the airline a lot of favours, actually. Mm-hmm. That's Jetstar. So if you ever want to try one of those, uh, you have to fly Jetstar. Fly Jetstar somewhere and you might get an iPad. International, of course. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's that. All right, moving on. Google. Rumors are out that Google might be saying goodbye to Windows for its staff. Yeah. Well, there's been lots of comments from Google employees saying that there's basically, you know, a, a stop on new Windows PCs. Uh, new Windows desktops, and if an employee needs or wants a Windows desktop, that they have to get sign-off from somebody really high up, like a CIO. Google is citing, well, not Google, the, the people who tell us these rumors, uh, so that's still unofficial, they tell us that the reason behind it is security. Uh, you know, people have kind of questioned that and said, well, how much is it really to do with security and how much I is it about, know. you know. <laughs> how much is it really to do with security? Because yeah. They're, yeah, they're, they're claiming they're, they're wanting to get rid of them because of the the Chinese operations hacking, you know, the, the hacking attempts from in January. But yeah, there's there's people just going, this is, nah, this is, this is part of Google and Microsoft's warring. And you know what, if this becomes official, like if Google actually acknowledge it, right now it's a rumor that you know, we've been relying on what staff have been saying, but uh, you know, if Google come out and say, yeah, this is what we're doing, you know, chances are it's just a PR, it's, well, largely a PR exercise. Mm. Sure, it might help a little bit, but I, I think like, by and large it's mostly a PR exercise, if anything. Yeah, so apparently the alternative they get would be, uh, is basically Mac uh, or Linux. Yep, you can have a Mac yep. or you can have a PC running Linux. I'd be happy there. I'd ask for a Mac. But you knew <laughs> that, didn't you, Brett? Yeah. <laughs> but who knows whether it's true? It, it seems to be because people are, you know, it's reported from people that work there, but nothing official from the company as yet. Yep. All right, moving on then. 
we're going through these stories like nobody's business, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Microsoft, now this is ironic, Microsoft is voicing its concerns about Google's dominance. Yep. They are worried about them, aren't they? They're worried. They are worried. They are very much worried. But then you get that sort of way. Well, most people get that sort of way when, you know, one thing becomes ubiquitous. And Google has sort of become ubiquitous when you think of search. Hell, the name Google is a commonly used word to mean searching. Absolutely. It's a fair, yeah, you say, I'll, I'll Google it later. I'll Google it later. You, I will search it later. It's, they've become synonymous. And so, yeah. They control a huge portion of the internet search. They're, they're way dominant. You know, Bing is way down the list. Well, not yeah. way down the list. It's number three, I think. But it's, it, it is a, a long, it's, you know. It's a long, long way, way down. Yeah. Over 70% of searches in the United States are done on Google. Uh, there you go. So it's, Microsoft, you know, it's interesting because Microsoft really are concerned. And these were the guys, you know, if you think back 10, 15 years ago, Microsoft was, you know, what did they have to worry about? You know? Mm. And and now it's it's different. Microsoft are really having to work for their money. Yep. Microsoft having to work for their money, but they're, they're not the only voice. There are a number of different voices out there who are voicing their concern about the search engine dominance of Google and are pushing that regulators watch the search engine market carefully. Well, you know, uh, you know what, though? Make sure they, that Google is not leveraging a monopoly. Well, I was just going to say, they do kind of have a point because having that much dominance in the search market means that you have a lot of clout. You've got, you know, you can really skew things. You've got a lot of power. Yep. So I, I guess, the, you know, the, the fact is, at, at the moment, there's nothing to suggest, not at least from what I've seen, that Google has abused that. And if they have, then sure, there's a story. But until such time that it's abused, it's, it's really, uh, to me, I think, just Microsoft, uh, you know, doing whatever it can to try and beat down the others and, uh, <clears throat> you know, where it's second in the market and, and try and gain some of the ground it lost. Yep. Well, there's a lot of that in there as well, but there is still the, yeah, there is still the need to keep an eye on this sort of situation because Google has been leveraging itself quite well into being the dominant force. When a company's name becomes synonymous with a, an act, then you've got to start taking a look at what's going on in the marketplace, what's going on in the economy and what's going on in the way that people do things because then that company has such a huge amount of sway over the public's mind. Well, you do. You have to keep an eye on these things because you know, otherwise you get the situations that you get when companies abuse their position and that's what you yep. don't want. When they become a monopoly, yeah, dominating the place, putting down the competition. When you become in that sort of situation, you get... Yeah, you get what happened to Microsoft. You get the legislators finally waking up to something going, you know, something being pretty wrong there and then them coming down on the company to try and even out the playing field. But don't Google have that uh, that motto, don't be evil, or is a motto not enough? The, a motto is not enough. You've got to see the actions coming from it. 
And there's been plenty of things in the news over the past couple of weeks of stuff that's just been slightly, it's not been, you know, in your face blatantly dodge, but things that have just looked a little conspicuous in the way Google's done things. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? The other one that comes to mind just recently was Apple as well. Yeah. They, they, both. They both, they've both sort of come from these sort of shining night, innocent companies that really are far from evil. Yeah. They're doing things sh- that I wouldn't say are evil, but are certainly are not. They're not quite as pristine. Pristine, as, that's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah, as and, and what pure. you're used to. Yeah, that's, that's the word, pure, yeah. So yeah, you're right, and this sort of creep is, you know, a sign that things could get could get worse. Mm. Let's hope they don't lose sight. Let's hope Google really does not lose sight of that motto, and keeping that motto at heart. I hope they can do that because you know there's because what a lot we of don't potential. want is for the whole <laughs> when you think of some of the terribly bad science fiction movies and stories and things that have come out of the thing where. Something horrible and evil and destructive and disastrous was done for the sake of the greater good. Oh man, that's well, that's a scary thought. It's it's a common genre in science fiction. It's why the computers rise up and destroy us all. Yeah, exactly. It's for the greater good, <laughs> to protect the world, to protect humanity. They've got to get rid of them. <laughs> all right. So, last story then. Indeed. Now, this is an interesting one. A woman from Southern California. Uh, she had her uh, children, in fact, kidnapped by her then husband, mm-hmm. and that that was back in ninety five. Now this is fifteen years later. She's located her children via Facebook. Yes. <laughs> so apparently now they've they've sent messages between each other. I think is that right? Her daughter, I think it was that she managed to track down. Actually, yeah, she tracked her daughter down on Facebook. And they sent messages to each other. And then the daughter said, no, I don't want to have a relationship with you. Leave us alone. And so then the Facebook profile disappeared. Uh, but the mother went through the um, the law, you know, through the, the police and tracked them down. Her husband is now doing time and her children are back with her. But it's not all happy. Oh. It's not a happy ending. There is no happy ending to this. This is two children who've grown up with their father, obviously in a, you know, a loving, familiar relationship with their father who have now lost their father and been thrust with this woman that they probably barely remember and they have no relationship with. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not all happy flowers. It's No, in fact, it's a bit sad really when you, because when you, you kind of think, oh, when you first hear the story, you think, oh, this will be a nice story. You know, this is about oh, indeed. You a think, reuniting. You think of, it's a reuniting. It's yeah. the, the, the woman's children that were, were kidnapped, taken away from her, and she's been pining for them. And so the children, you think, you know, obviously the children would be pining for her too. You think so. But after 15 years, there is no relationship between her and her children. Her children have an entire relationship purely with their father and whatever new family was done on, on that side in Florida, and now they've been thrust back with their mother. This could very well turn out to be two children who absolutely abhor and hate their mother for destroying their family. And well, you know, it could uh, blow well, up in their face. It could, <laughs> could but you know, the, the, father, the father who kidnapped them because that's effectively what it is legally it's a it's a kidnap yeah. he he <laughs> must he you know he deserves to do time for that you know there's he he you can't just 
Oh, yeah, he deserves to pay for, he, he for what he's done. He did break the law. He committed, he committed a crime. He did. But the repercussions of that crime are the state that the families were in when it was discovered, which does not always mean that there's going to be a happy ending. This entire thing could come about with those children always despising their mother for destroying the family that they had loved and never getting on with her. And unfortunately- It, it could very well turn out to be, you know, they do develop a rapport and that sort of thing, but, but there is the entire possibility of the children despising their mother for destroying their family, even though the, the mother was just trying to reclaim hers. And it's a, that amount yeah, of- that's a sad uh, reality. Yeah, that's a sad reality, and I the, think. the age that the children were at when they left. There was nothing for them to remember of their mother. Yeah, apparently they were only two and three. Yeah, two and three. Barely creating memories. It's interesting, the story, because it makes me realise how much the internet has changed our lives or it can change our lives in certain situations, like this one. Yeah. You know, like years ago, to track someone down was so hard, but with 200 and something million people on Facebook, you know, that's that's one way and a good chance that the person you're trying to track down is on Facebook. And that's, I mean, that's just one of many ways. There's yeah. Twitter, there are other things. But uh, the internet just makes it so much easier for that sort of. Exactly. It, it is so much easier to find and keep in touch with people because of the internet than it was previously, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Because you've tracked down people that you well, went to school with, I think, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I, I've had random people who I had no idea what had happened to them from school suddenly, yeah, pop up requesting to be my friend on Facebook. <laughs> I'll tell you what I've done recently, actually. Uh, I started using LinkedIn a little bit more because I, I think I created a profile years and years ago and I ne- never really actively used it. Mm-hmm. And the other day I thought I'd go in there and, you know, just, I don't know. But I don't know why I did this, but I just thought I'd, I'd at least make it current and uh, and I, th- I think I connected to one extra person and because of that there was this other connection and then another one and just yesterday I got another request from someone and it's amazing I think it's kind of like a kind of like a chain reaction type thing because you, you, once you connect to someone it kind of shows up on their not just their well obviously them but also their contacts can kind of see that you've connected to them and so mm-hmm. the people that they know that you also know may then try and make a connection to you and so on. And it kind of goes on from there. It's interesting how networks Mm. work. Anyway, that's our show. That's it for Tuesday, the 8th of June. Brent, I want to thank you once again for co-hosting the show with me as per usual. Always a pleasure, Edwin. And uh, I guess uh, we'll do do, do it all again on Monday next week. Yep. Alrighty. Take care, everyone. We'll see you all then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.